You need to figure out what your pain points are internally before you should go, you go out and look for a vendor. So if you're looking for a CLM, why are you looking for a CLM? What are you looking for it to solve? And use that criteria to drive the, your vendor selection through, you know, an RFP process and then kind of whittling down who you're going to demo and finally getting down to the provider that actually solves the majority of your problems. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Law with Siddharth Menon. As you know, Bite Size Law is a legal tech podcast where I interview industry experts from the legal operations world, the contract lifecycle management world. We cover various topics such as tech implementation, the future of AI in the legal world, and uh, many more exciting topics. On today's episode, we will be talking about legal operations and how to set up a legal operations team for success. And as a part of this topic, I have the privilege of speaking with a wonderful person named Krista Johnson. Krista is the head of legal ops at Lexian, and she's also an ambassador from Seattle for Legal Ops Uncensored. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and if you do, Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcasting platforms that you listen to. Without any further ado, let's get to the conversation with Krista Johnson. Hey, Krista, welcome to Bite Size Law. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. An absolute privilege to speak with you. I've been following you on LinkedIn, following your posts about legal operations. You know, I've been looking forward to recording this episode since the last a couple of weeks, ever since I reached out to you on LinkedIn. So really glad that you found the time in this busy environment. So Really happy to dive deep into the world of legal operations. Just want to tell my listeners, our listeners, that today we're going to focus on legal operations and how to set up the legal operations team for success. Uh, but before we, you know, jump into it, Krista, can you, uh, you know, talk uh, talk to us a little bit about you, how your journey has been, and all that. Yeah, absolutely. So I've, I've spent my entire professional career in the legal field. I transitioned in-house 10 years ago. Uh, I've been a generally legal support staff, so legal assistant, legal secretary, contracts manager, paralegal. And I've found, especially in-house, that a lot of that operational work tends to fall on those people's plates uh, because the attorneys are busy doing other things that you need an attorney to do. So despite the fact that I didn't really know that legal operations was a its own dedicated thing until the past few years, I've always done legal operations work in-house and I really enjoy getting to bring my experience and from various different types of companies and company sizes to to just, just discuss my what I've learned and yep. how folks can do better now that we have this dedicated community around legal operations. Yeah, that's a really interesting point because 10 years back when I, or 12 years back when I started my career, I started as a litigator and then I moved into a role of a contract manager where I used to uh, review contracts, create clause repositories. At that time, I don't think there was designation or a title called legal operations manager or legal operations specialist. You know, what we were doing or what I was doing back in the day was basically helping the legal operations functions of other legal departments by taking away all these mundane administrative related tasks that lawyers 
normally tend to do uh, while straying away from much more strategic value generating kind of work so yeah, i uh, it's a, and it's i think it's it's a similar story with most legal operations mm-hmm. professionals so um, that's awesome so before we actually get into the meat of today's topic which is setting up a legal operations team for success for a lay person to understand what is legal operations to me legal operations is running legal like the rest of the business it really is bringing legal into kind of the the next generation where a lot of other business units have been for a long time okay. and focusing on things like data and how you make smart decisions based on the data and based on where you want to go it's about being strategic and less reactive, which I think mm-hmm. is something that's a little bit hard for legal folks to wrap their heads around uh, when you spent your most of your career serving in-house clients that it, it is truly reactive. So how, how do you shift from that reactive mindset to that more strategic mindset? Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you go to law school, lawyers are not taught to be business-minded people, right? You know, um, we learn about statutes, how to do legal research, mm-hmm. what the difference between a primary resource and a secondary resource is. But, you know, when you step into the legal world or the legal field, you often wonder, oh my gosh, there's so many administrative or business-related tasks that you need to tackle. And and like you rightly said, legal operations sort of fill that void by taking away all these mundane tasks. So in your opinion, let's say a law firm or a legal department of company is trying to set up their legal operations wing. And if you were interested with that kind of a task, how would you set up their team? And how would you educate, you know, the general counsels or people who are the chief sponsors in that particular team to ensure that the legal operations team is set up for success? I think my number one piece of advice is that if you really are wanting to focus on legal operations, the person that you bring in initially needs to be focused on legal operations. They shouldn't be part legal operations, part contract manager. They should they should really be focused on driving the operations of the legal department forward, not doing those reactive tasks that I mentioned earlier. I think this is a kind of a struggle that people don't fully understand that there really is enough work at most companies, even small ones, for a dedicated legal ops manager to help streamline and create processes that allow you to to operate successfully with less headcount and less spend. So I think you have to go all in. You can't just be like half, half in, half out. Yeah, exactly. Like if a legal operations specialist is entrusted with anything else other than streamlining the operations aspect of a legal team, then you know, you will not, you know, get the entire value out of that person. So if we have to talk about the different verticals or let's say different functions within the legal operations team, how would you summarize that? What are the major, you know, functions that a legal operations team should focus on? I mean, I think I think the specific like areas of law are going to depend wildly on your area of business. Also, if, if it's, you're a law firm, it's going to look a little bit different, right? Because your needs are a little bit different. But I think you need to sit down and figure out what what's going on today, what's working, what's not. You also need to not just look at data and how fast things are getting turned around. And you need to look at the subjective too, to help really tell that story and sell that to your GC, to sell that to your CEO, to be like, look, our attorneys are spending this much time on administrative tasks. An attorney of this seniority would bill at like X rate. So you've got kind of showing the dollar waste, but 
also going to those attorneys and being like, look, how do you feel about this? What would you like to be doing? And using those stories to really humanize the data mm -hmm. so that you can be as persuasive as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So especially, let's say, a legal operations team or a legal department that is spending a lot of money on outside counsel. So are there uh, strategies or are there tools that help legal operations team ensure you know they they keep a data or keep a track of outside legal spend absolutely there are great tools that can help that help do this i, I think most of us in the field if you've been here for a while you use serengeti which i think is legal tracker these days mm -hmm. but there's a lot of new players in the space that are leveraging ai that are really fantastic bright flag is one that's going to always come to mind for me that it's it's reducing not only helping you track your outside counsel spend but it's also helping reduce those bills by helping catch errors using AI and being able to do a lot of that work that is being done manually by someone and just taking care of it for you. So while there are kind of these old school solutions that you can still get data from, I think the next step is obviously going to be leveraging AI to mm -hmm. further reduce kind of the menial tasks that a lot of people are doing because nobody yeah. really wants to review bills for <laughs> double line items and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I still, when I speak to my friends who work in law firms or legal departments, they still rely on Excel sheets to track their spending. So it's always a fascinating conversation to, you know, to know that, you know, they still look at archaic ways of managing their budget and managing their internal projects. But again, speaking of AI, generally what I've understood is that lawyers proud of I was sort of reluctant to embrace AI because, you know, as lawyers, they need to be skeptical mm -hmm. about a technology. So it's really fascinating that, you know, with, when I think about legal operations, it's not just, you know, looking at people who can or who have that business acumen. It's also about using technology to streamline legal services and making it much more faster and efficient. So... In your experience as a legal operations professional, what are the kind of tools that you would normally use in your day-to-day -day work? I mean, I think one of the most important things is making sure you have a tool that access your legal front door. I think a lot of teams are still using email for this, like a shared email alias legal at. And, you know, it, it kind of works. I, I've been there, but that's where you start seeing balls getting dropped, people kind of backing off and being like, well, I'm not touching that. Having a system that allows you to intake requests and then, you know, collect the information in from the business client in an actual, like, like meaningful way. So I'm getting the information I need up front and I'm not having to go back and forth mm -hmm. with the business to to get information that I need for every single one of this type of request and then finding ways to automate from there. So if you, if you, for example, do a lot of NDAs, most, most businesses do, there's a lot of things you can do around automation and self-service for the business. If you can get to a point where you are touching very few NDAs, mm -hmm. that is like a very, it, it seems like a very small win, but it's a very powerful win in showing how automation can then streamline other areas of the business and how you can get comfortable with the business self-serving things. I think that's really kind of the next step in legal is, is finding ways to, to push work back on the business that really is commercial terms and things like that. It doesn't require a, a legal person to step in and mm -hmm. edit a term from say three years to two years. That's yeah. something you should be able to manage with automation. Automation. Yeah. And I guess uh, with CLM tools there in the market, it's much more easier, right? If, if, mm -hmm. if 
based on the kind of contracts that you deal with on a day-to-day basis, you create a repository of your contract types with your templates, with mm-hmm. approval workflows that can, and with a CLM system, you can also have a collaborative environment where people are not relying on emails or you know, f- f- filing cabinets to find their contracts. So that's really interesting. So again, keeping in mind the theme for today's episode, we're talking about setting up a legal operations team for success. So let's say a GC is out there trying to set up a legal operations team and trying to look for professionals who can help them set up a legal operations teams. In your opinion, what are the key qualities that an operations professionals in the legal department what are the qualifications or let's say qualities they should be possessing to be the right fit for an organization? Yeah. Or, so, or, or, or to simplify the question, how do you get into a legal operations role? <laughs> I think uh, talking to a lot of folks in my community, a lot of friends that I've, I've happened to make, I think a lot of us have kind of fallen into it, but we are seeing that transition where people are really tr- trying to intentionally move into this career, which is fantastic that it's, it's growing so much and that people actually like want to make this their job. That said, I think there's still a lot of misconception that people really have to have legal backgrounds, which I'm not going to like, it's great that you have a legal background. You speak the language of legal, so you can translate between the attorneys and the business, but that shouldn't be a gating factor. In my opinion, there are a lot of great people in other operations roles, finance operations, revenue operations that have that natural skill set to problem solve, to map processes, to, um, create new ways of simplifying how you're doing work internally. And we shouldn't discount those skills. So Mm -hmm. while it's great, if you have a legal background, not a lot of legal people, like you said, are going to think that way. They aren't going to, they aren't going to think about processes the same way. And they are probably going to be a little bit more opposed to change. I know I personally was that way when I started doing more operations work. So definitely look at other operations teams within your company talk to their managers and figure out what is working for them, what's not working for them. But really anybody that's detail oriented, that is excited to stay on the forefront of new technology and figure out how to leverage that with their current processes. Anyone who is thinking about looking around corners and trying to look at like, well, what problems might arise? Like what are the edge cases that we can try to solve for now, as well as being able to advocate for change management, getting people to change is hard. It's even Mm -hmm. harder in the legal team. So being able to like knowing how to approach people in a way that uh, you can be persuasive to advocate for the change and show them how it's going to help them rather than these fears that they have that are likely making them oppose the change. That's a great skill, which a lot of people in the legal field actually have. We we're used to being persuasive. Yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Being detail oriented as well as having the ability to manage other people in a way to alleviate some of those concerns when it comes to change is a key skill set. And it doesn't come that naturally. You need to be put into that spot to ensure because again, I like my entire life, I've been in the legal field. When I stepped into the CLM world, especially the CLM implementation world, even though clients approach us to implement a CLM solutions that they just bought, still they feel really anxious when you get to that stage where we have to, where they have to get trained and use the system because they're like, oh my gosh, we didn't think about the massive change it's going to bring about, you know, in our internal work. So that's a really fascinating thing. 
So again, as a legal operations professional, what would be your key KPIs, if I may ask? As a SaaS sales organization, a lot of our KPIs are going to be around sales contracts. Uh, it's going to be how fast we're turning things, what SLAs are we hitting versus not hitting, how much are we missing them by, the volume of contracts, the uh, the types of contracts, all of those things, like really digging into contract data is something I've spent a lot of my career doing at this point. So I think those are incredibly important, but I think I mentioned subjective, like subjective things as well earlier. I think doing client interviews at least once a year, sitting mm -hmm. down and meeting with leaders from different organizations and do, almost doing like an NPS score where you are kind of really understanding where their pain points working with your team are, because the more you can sell the rest of the business on legal ops and change, it's gonna help drive that change within the legal department, but within the company as well. So I think it is really important to sit down with people, interview them, have both kind of, you know, one to 10 questions, but also just some open-ended questions to, to figure out how you can use that to drive your roadmap and what you're going to be doing over say the next six or 12 months. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. So Again, this is something which I've always wondered and this is something which I've been meaning to ask, uh, you know, uh, legal operations specialists, is that how do you measure success of a legal operations team? Like, is there a way to track and, you know, see how well the legal operations is doing or is it purely subjective when it comes to different teams? I do think that there are, are objective measure. So I brought up NDA automation and letting the business self-serve those. Uh, you can take a metric from the beginning of the year that it says, okay, we touched every single NDA that went out the door. And then if you can show maybe by six months later, a year later, that now they're only touching like 2%, that's a great way to, to use a metric to showcase the success of legal, legal operations. Reducing outside counsel spend too, because at least in my case, outside counsel is often used not just for specialty areas, but for overage. So if I can show that we've streamlined things internally to reduce that overage spend, getting outside counsel to take on the work that we just don't have time for. That's another great way to to showcase the success of your legal operations team. Yeah. So that's a really uh, fascinating point because I always thought that, yeah, your KPIs as well as your success criteria sort of go hand in hand because, you know, you are interested with certain tasks to ensure the legal operations team is set up for success. But I always thought that, you know, for each company, you know, it's going to be different. You know, not all companies function the same way. Mm -hmm. So having said that, uh, we briefly touched upon the role of technology, but I would like to pick your brain on the kind of tools that legal operation professionals use because it could be different. And if I could ask you, like, I don't know if you have a CLM solution in your organization, but how do you choose a specific technology tool? Because there are so many providers out there, like if, especially in the CLM world, you have ISERTIS, Agileoff, Ironclad, but how do you choose a specific vendor uh, when it comes to, you know, finding a tool? I think uh, preparation is what's the most important there. You need to figure out what your pain points are internally before you should go, you go out and look for a vendor. So if you're looking for a CLM, why are you looking for a CLM? What are you looking for it to solve? And use that criteria to drive the, your vendor selection through you know, an RFP process and then kind of whittling down who you're going to demo and finally getting down to the provider that actually solves the majority of your problems. I think a lot of uh, legal teams go about this backwards. And I know I have in the past when I've looked at CLMs, I did not sit down and think about pain points. I just kind of went out there and was like, well, 
there's really only two that are within my budget range. So I guess I'm going to look at them and pick one, which is it's backwards. We need to look like the rest of the business is spending time doing RFPs and making sure that the technology actually fits their need. And I think we need to see more of a push in legal to do that. So I've looked at CLMs probably four, three or four times over the past 10 years. I now actually technically I do legal operations for a CLM vendor. So we do use our own tool internally, but I've I've had the opportunity to demo most of the tools in the space over the past 10 years, as well as also when I was at Amazon getting to help build their internal tool as well. Mm-hmm. So when you embrace such a technology, we talked about prepare, being prepared to select a tool and to embrace a technology. So in with regards to being ready to embrace a tool, being ready with documentation, the kind of contract types that you want to incorporate, how crucial is readiness in this whole tech implementation or tech adoption so I, I would liken getting ready for tech adopt, like being ready for tech adoption to getting married or having a kid. I really think there's, there's probably not a perfect time. So you, yeah. you do have to do as much as you can to get prepared. At some point, you have to kind of just make that leap of faith. And yeah. it's really scary to do that because like you mentioned, like implementation and actually the, the change management portion where you're training people on it and then trying to just get people to actually use it it's very difficult, especially like no one wants to learn another tool. So yeah. how, how do you make that as seamless as possible? It's not an easy problem to solve. Exactly. Yeah. I find I face this challenge all the time. There are certain customers who are absolutely ready with their process maps, their contract types, because they've done their homework, due diligence and everything. But at the same same time, there are other customers who think that a CLM solution could be a one-stop solution for all their contract management needs. They think that it's a plug and play. So mm-hmm. that is a situation where uh, the implementation hits a roadblock because the client needs to go back and start thinking about things that they didn't think about at the initial phase. So, but I always... I've been trying to educate people, especially, you know, my friends in the legal field. If you're looking for a tech product, do like a survey, you know, and conduct a survey and understand from your other colleagues as if they've embraced technology, what the challenges were, what are the, you know, roadblocks that they might end up hitting and all that. So it's 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 a common challenge, I guess, in the legal operations and the CLM world, uh, the lack of... Yeah, technology. for sure. I think people think that tech generally is going to be a magic wand, and it never is. It's a tool. So sometimes if you have, you know, really high budget, you're able to get a super customized tool that really is going to help solve the majority of your needs, but you're going to, you're going to pay for that both in time and money. Most companies are not willing to invest that much right now, especially in legal tech. Mm -hmm. So it's about finding the solution that best suits your needs. And with SaaS tools, that's just how it works. Like there's no SaaS tool that's going to be perfect for everybody, if that makes sense. Yep. So uh, what will be the role of AI in the future Uh, right now? There was, we've been talking about AI for quite some time. However, mm-hmm. since the last few months, ever since chat GPT got released, GPT-4 got released, you know, it's been a complete game changer. So where do you see AI fitting in and how do you see AI progressing in the future? I think people have a generally, especially in the legal field, have a misconception about what AI is and what it can do. What it can do. Again, it's, it's the magic wand problem. They think it's going to come in and solve all their problems or they think it's going to steal their jobs. 
neither of those things is true. It again is a tool. So you have to like, just figure out how can I leverage this tool? You're not going to use a hammer as a screwdriver. So <laughs> how do you find it, figure out how it's, how you're going to be able to implement it with your own work? Is it e-billing? Is it your CLM? Is it generative AI helping you actually draft contracts? I think that there is a lot of fear in the space mm -hmm. because there's a lot of unknowns about the risk and we're seeing all these kind of scary things happen with yep. the court filings and yep. even generating documents like and pretending that the the AI is the lawyer. Yep. I think it's it's a little bit fear-mongering and we have to yep. kind of look past that and recognize that there are ways to put limitations on how we're using the AI AI within legal because legal may not be using it but I guarantee you some other people in your business are which you need to be thinking about as well oh, and yeah. just figure out how to leverage it. So I mean I use generative AI to help me when I can't come up with a definition for something off the top of my head. Okay. I use it just to give me a starting point. Cool. I might rewrite the whole thing. I might just rewrite part of it. It's going to require that human intervention at this stage. It's not, we're not in like a Terminator <laughs> world, like Skynet situation yeah. yet. I mean, will we get there? Who knows? But yeah, when, that's where uh, AI is today. When I talk about AI to people, you know, everyone has this ex machina kind of, uh, what do you call it, perception about AI, you know, a robot lawyer, you know, people are going to be replaced and everything. But right now, I don't think that's going to ever be the situation or even if that is going to be the situation, it's going to take a long time. Right now, like you said, it's assistive artificial intelligence in the sense that it helps you, you know, automate some of the mundane tasks, especially like even I use chat GPT sometimes when you have to write a long email and when you're not getting all the words in your mind, you just ask chat GPT and, you, and it's a starting point. It's something which helps you. Sort mm -hmm. of, huh, okay, get rid of that writer's blog and then continue, you know, put in your own words and phrases. So that is, I'm especially excited about the future of AI. And I'm also especially excited if law schools also start educating their law students about technology and AI. Because still, when I talk to legal law faculty members, they still do not include technology into their curriculum. You know, it's all about procedural laws and and all that so so if you have to advise a law student uh, or let's say a law professor on how to be much more educated about technology and the legal operations role what would be your sir so i mean i actually have a legal intern right now that is super interested in legal tech and operations within legal which is amazing to see like a rising 2l that is like this excited about it i think we're really lucky here in the seattle area where we have have schools that are surrounded by huge tech companies that, that it does help influence a little bit of their curriculum and what people are learning, but not everyone's lucky. So I think the professors, the, the faculty, they need to get out there and learn what is out there and how it's being used. And they need to go and do that, make that effort first before they really can advise well their students and develop curriculum that in, in, incorporates legal tech. And it, without that, it's just, it's gonna be like another theoretical thing. And it's probably not gonna be super accurate. And it's not gonna be super helpful. Yeah, yeah. Internships are a very good way for law students to get accustomed to the legal operations world. 
uh, and that's actually an interesting point because you know somebody reached out to me on LinkedIn asking how they can get into this legal operations world. I didn't think about an internship because internship is not a known thing in a, a legal operations world. It's something which is mm-hmm. quite prevalent in the legal or the litigation firm or a legal department. But that's really interesting. Well, having said that, Krista, it's been a great time chatting with you. But um, I also wanted to know how people can reach out to you if they have any questions about legal operations and uh, getting started in this whole profession. Yeah, absolutely. People can find me on LinkedIn. Please reach out, connect, message me. I do my best to to get back to everyone. And one of the biggest things I have done over the past year is also just sit down and meet, meet with people, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. And that really has helped grow my career exponentially, building those relationships. We learn from each other and it's fantastic. So something I'm incredibly open to. I'm happy to make connections to the extent that I can and just look forward to continuing to drive legal operations forward. Yeah, uh, that is absolutely true. Because when I started off this podcast, one of the main reasons was to one, educate myself about the different aspects with aspects within the legal operations rules, especially CLM, because that's the that's my area of expertise. What I've understood is that legal operations environment or the community is so supportive. Like I had the opportunity to interview Murray Widmer. And I saw that you were connected with Marie. I sent you a request. Mm-hmm. And, and and there are many other amazing people like, you know, Colin McCarthy. And I'm, 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 I'm missing a lot of names. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very supportive environment. So like you, I mean, I, it's a very good strategy that you have. Uh, give people the option to connect with you over a 15-minute chat, which just helps you grow as well as help the other person also understand you know, the world of legal operations. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big proponent of diversity of thought and you build the strongest teams when you have diverse teams. So I think you can even learn things from law students. You can learn things from people who know nothing about legal operations. So build those relationships, foster them. And I think honestly, it's it's taken me further than anything has in the last 10 years of my time in-house. That is amazing. I'm really happy for you. Anyway, Krista, thanks a lot for joining Bite Size Law. It was wonderful hearing your thoughts and perspective. We'll stay in touch on LinkedIn. I hope you have a good rest of your evening. Thank you. You as well. It's a, it was a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Bye-bye.